we're going to talk about the hope of the commission of Jesus. OYC is about awakened hope. And our goal is not that you come and congregate, but our goal is that you came and the hope of Jesus sprung alive in your life. As you listen here and as you listen at home, we hope that whatever it is that is burdening you, you will give it to the Lord. And that hope will spring alive within you that will catch hope to another. We're going to talk about the Gospel Commission. If I was to ask you, what is the Gospel Commission? Most people would tell me that the Gospel Commission is, go ye into the world and preach the Gospel. That is the Gospel Commission. That's the scripture we know the Gospel Commission from. But today I want to take you to a different scripture that teaches the Gospel Commission and what the Gospel Commission is. What are we supposed to go and preach and how? So we're going to look in a different place, but see what the Word of God has to say. I have a story that I would like to tell you. There was a bus driver who was driving a busload of children. He had 50 kids on a bus. And as he was going down the hill, the brakes on the bus went out. Coming down a very, very steep, windy hill. 50 kids, a windy hill, a huge bus, it's not a good mix. The brakes are out. What do you do? We bow our heads in prayer. That kind and most gracious God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today and lift up your name. Father, as you allow me to open up my mouth for you, Father, let I decrease that Christ may increase. Father, bless the hearers. Lord, bless the word. And Lord, let your will be done that glory may be given unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you will turn with me in your Bibles to Matthews eleven twenty-eight through 30. Matthews chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. <clears throat> Matthews chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. As we, go, as we go through the scripture, we will find many <clears throat> contrasts into working for Christ, into serving Jesus. But we will find that it is not a lazy service. It is not a service that you just do. Now, if I was to ask you, as many of us and many of you at home know this scripture, come unto me. All ye that labor and are what? And I will give you unto what? Your souls. Now, what does come means? Can anyone here give me a definition of the word come? <clears throat> Draw near. Anyone else? To arrive some, some, from somewhere else. Okay. When we hear this scripture, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, what do we hear? 
man, I can run to Jesus and cast all my cares upon him and I'm good. Oh, praise the Lord. I just give it to Jesus. Is that what this scripture is saying? Is he saying, come unto me, all ye that labor on a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. Is he saying, just come and give all things to me and all things will be okay? See, today we like to hear a feel-good message. We want to hear about love. But we slide away from service. And if we know anything about our Savior, our Savior came to serve man. At, the, at Gethsemane, he said, I, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. When his parents were looking for him, he said, don't you know? <laughs> don't you know? Why are you looking for me? I'm supposed to be about my father's business. Let's look at the word come. I want to take you into the um, Strong's Concordance for a second. If you go into the concordance, the word come comes from a, it comes from a Greek, a Greek word that's called duite. And, and the word means to come hither. It is an interjection of come now. It is also imperative of direction. It doesn't mean to just come and stay here. It means come and follow. It means follow in the direction that I am going. It's not come here and let's kick it. It's come and let's go. It is an action word to come and follow. So when Jesus says, come unto me, he is saying imperatively, follow me. Now, he says, come unto. You know, one of, my, one of the teachers that, one of my favorite teachers, which just happened to be Sister Louis Torres, I'm Sister Carol Torres, um, she, <laughs> she taught us that it is not just important to know the scriptures, to understand the scriptures. She said, you must know why God used certain words so you can understand what God mean. And I never thought of that before when I was reading the Bible. I would just read the Bible and try to get to know the words and the meaning. But as I learned that from her, and I understood that God used particular words for a particular purpose. And then when you start trying to find out what is God's purpose for this word, why did he say come? Why did he say unto? Why didn't he just say come here? And when you start reading the Bible, trying to learn why did God say that, it opens up a whole new realm of understanding of the word of God. When I read this scripture, I used to like everyone think that, hey, this scripture is about giving God my burdens and I'm okay. I will have rest. When I learned to study the Bible as I was taught here at Mission College, that scripture became alive to me and it became the gospel commission. When the, the word unto that is used here, the word unto means come to the advantage of. 
Unto means come to the advantage of. So God is telling us follow unto the advantage of you and him. So if he's not just saying follow, he's saying follow to the advantage of you and him. And what is the advantage of you? Salvation. What is the advantage of God? Furthering the kingdom, souls. So how do you follow unto the advantage of? It's by winning souls to Christ. In, in the Jewish educational system, there is three steps to a Jewish educational system. The first step is called Bet Sefer. And in Bet Sefer, it is from the age of six to 10 years old that you study. The next step is Bet Talmud. And in Bet Talmud, you study from the age of 10 to 14. After Bet Talmud, you go into Bet Midrash, if you were good enough. Let me, let me take you into some of, this, some of this studies. By the time a child was 13 to 14 years old, that child knew the Bible back to front, verse for verse, letter for letter. They spent their whole life from six years old to 14 years old studying the Bible. By the time they were 14, they knew everything about the Bible. Well, let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning. And in the beginning, what would happen is the rabbi would walk into a town. And as he gets into the town, he would proclaim that he is here. <laughs> and it was, it was a huge thing for the rabbi to proclaim that he was here. And people would flock to this rabbi and they would want to be accepted by this rabbi. And there's a saying in the, Hebrew, in, in the Greek culture, in, excuse me, in Jewish culture that says, may the dust of the rabbi be upon you. And the reason that they use that phrase is because when you see a rabbi walk into a town or a village, you would see someone walking behind him, like just basically shuffling because they were so close behind him that they couldn't even take their own steps. And if the rabbi turned this way, they turned this way. If the rabbi bent over to pick up a rock, they bent over to pick up a rock. Whatever the rabbi did, they did. They were called Talmudin. Talmudin is a word that means disciple. And so everyone wanted to be a Talmudin of the rabbi. And they would go when the rabbi gets into the town and he would say, look, you, come and study. And they will go and they will study from 6 to 10 years old. And then from 10 to 14, they will continue their studies. At the age of 14, the rabbi will now go and say, you, you, and you, answer this question. And he would see who would answer the question the wisest. Who had the quickest answer? Who had the better answer? And out of those that answered best, he would say to him, Lichi Akari, come and follow me. Be my Talmudin. And that person would become Talmudin to the rabbi in order to become a rabbi himself one day. 
They said, let the dust of the rabbi be upon you because the roads in those times were so dusty and they followed so closely that all of the dust from the rabbi was upon them. And it was a blessing in their culture to be dusted by the rabbi. You knew you were following your rabbi properly if you were covered with dust. Well, what happened to those who wasn't chosen? From 6 to 14 years old, they gave their whole life to studying. And the rabbi would say to them, he would say, look, we understand that you sacrificed your life. We understand that you gave up family and friends and work and everything for this task of becoming Talmudim. However, you will never be Talmudim. Go back to your village. Go back to your families. Go be a fisherman. Go be a carpenter. Go be something else and have babies and pray that your babies one day will become Talmudim. They would leave heartbroken because their whole life from six to 10 years old has been about becoming a Talmudim. The one who was chosen to be Talmudim was glorified. Everyone admired him. And one day he would become a rabbi. Well, let me ask you this question. What did, what was Jesus's occupation? I heard carpenter. Anyone else? He was a rabbi. If we go to the scriptures, you will notice in the Bible that Jesus was called a rabbi 41 times. He was called, a, and let me rephrase that, Jesus was called a rabbi 13 times. 41 times he was called a teacher. He was only called a carpenter in the Bible one time in Mark 6, Mark 6, 3. So what was Jesus's occupation? He was a rabbi. He was a teacher. And if we go to the scripture in Matthews and he's saying, come follow me unto the advantage of. He is telling us that we can be his Talmudim. He is telling us Lichi Akari, come and be my disciple. The question is, are you following your rabbi so closely that the dust of the rabbi is upon you? Are you so serious about this task of being Talmudim that you mimic the rabbi in everything that he does. When the rabbi passed through your job, 
When the rabbi passed through your home, when the rabbi passed through your outing, are you mimicking the actions of the rabbi? Are you so closely knit behind the rabbi that you will be called Talmudim? The difference with the world and with Christ is Christ calls all of us to lichi akari. Come and be my disciple. There is no quiz. There is no better answer. There is just the call. We go back to the scriptures in Matthew 11 and he says, come unto me all ye. You see, again, we look at the words and we see mere words. And when you look at the word all, in their, in their language, all is pas. And I went to look up this word. 748 times, all means all things. 170 times, it means every. 41 times, it means men. Why is that important? Because if I were to ask you, who is Christ speaking to when he says, come unto me all? What would you say? All men. But he only means men 41 times. 170 times he means everything. 748 times he means all things. Follow to the advantage of you and me all. Everything. Is everything we have surrendered to Christ? Is my vehicle surrendered to the use of Jesus? Is my home surrendered to the use of Christ? Is my speech reflecting the language of Jesus? Is my dress showing the love of Christ, the humility of Jesus? Do I pass on the highway? We live in dangerous times. But are we connected so much with Christ, following so closely? Every time Christ went into a village, he never left without ministering to the needs of others. Never. He didn't just preach. He ministered to their needs. Have I, through my lifetime, missed the ministering of the needs of someone? Do I go through my job and not recognize the look on my co-worker's face and see distress and say, can I pray with you? Or am I worried about being fired because I asked to pray? Am I afraid to leave my Bible on my desk so someone who might be distressed can see the Bible and say, can I talk to you? Is my conversation and my conduct such that someone can say, I, 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 I need to talk, my brother. When I'm driving down, and I need this one, I don't know how to keep my foot off the pedal. I am slowly learning, Lord, help me to slow down. I have a heavy foot. 
but it's not about how fast I drive. When I go down the road of life, is there ever a situation where someone is on the side of the road stranded and I say, Lord, let me be a light? Or the Holy Spirit is guiding you and urging you to help someone. And while this is such dangerous times, you just can't do that anymore. Is our life surrendered to the service of others? As we go on into the scripture, it tells us, come unto me, all ye that labor. You know, I, I, I found that to be interesting. He says, come if you were laboring. So if I'm, if, if I'm tired, I need to run to Jesus. If, 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 if I'm weary, I need to run to Jesus. And, I'm, and I was reading the scripture, and again, I went to look up this, and it, it, the definition of laden is to be heavy laden, to place a burden and a load upon. One of the things that the rabbis did in the Jewish culture was called place a yoke upon you. The yoke that the rabbi would place upon you is when a rabbi taught, they taught you the way they thought, they thought. They taught you their understanding of the scriptures. There was no one rabbi whose understanding or whose teachings was the same. And you were known by the rabbi who you were a Talmudim too. They wanted you to do things exactly the way they did it and understand the way they understand. And they call that their yoke. And they place their yoke upon you. So I, 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 as, as I was studying, I went and I was trying to understand heavy laden and take my yoke. And as I continued reading and studying, it says laboring, as we know, is physical. You can't labor sitting at home. You can't labor in front of the television. You can't labor at the amusement park. You have to labor out in the fields. We are to be laboring for the benefit of the kingdom in the fields. And I, I went to looking at the different kinds of labor and I was like, well, what is the difference in laboring for Christ and laboring in the world? They're both active. What is the difference? So Christ speaks to us about two specific kinds of physical activity. There's the activity of the world, and there's the activity of God. This is separated by denoting heavy laden. We see the difference in Christ's labor because he's calling us and giving us a directive to partake with him in winning souls for the kingdom. What labor are we supposed to be doing? Well, I'm, I'm doing my labor because I work, I, I, I support my family, um, I support the church, I give to all the different ministries. I'm, I'm, I'm laboring. Are you laboring for the kingdom? You see, God confirmed his word, his word in Isaiah 40, 31. He says, they that wait upon the Lord shall what? renew their strength. Now, let me ask you a question. If I'm waiting, am I standing still? I was like, 
You, we're supposed to be laboring for the Lord, but then it says let's wait. How do we labor and wait? So I looked up the word wait. And when I looked up the word wait, the word wait means to be actively looking and working for something. So you take it precept upon precept, line upon line. If I am to, they that wait upon the Lord, so they that are laboring for Christ shall renew their strength. Our strength is renewed by working for Jesus. Our strength is not renewed by resting. It is in the labor of working for Christ that we are strengthened. And one of the other definitions that came from the word, from the word um, wait was to look eagerly for. We are not just supposed to be standing by. We're supposed to be working and looking eagerly for. How eager are you for Christ to come? Is it more important that next month I'm getting married and Lord, can you wait till then? Is it, I would like to see my child graduate from high school. Is it that, um, let me finish college. How eagerly are we awaiting and looking for the coming of Jesus? Third John 1, 21. Third John 1, 21. Third John chapter 1, 21. God tells us what he wants for us. He says he wants that above all things we may prosper and be in good health. He wants that we may prosper and be in good health. I'm sorry. Third, I, I, third John 1, 2, excuse me. I said 21, and, I'm, and I know people are still looking for 21. Third John 1, chapter 2. Um, he says, God says that he wants that we may prosper and be in Good health. Now, what things does he want us to be in good health in? Someone said it already. How many things? So if we're to be in good health in all things, is that just physically? Is he talking about being in mental, emotional, financial, and physical good health? Is the things that we have supposed to be in good keeping that we may glorify God? Jesus is calling us to be Talmudim. He has given us the word, Lichi Akari, come and be my disciples. The question is, will the dust of the rabbi be upon you? Will you follow so closely that it would be no doubt 
that you are Talmudine to bet Jesus. Rabbi Jesus, is your life in order? I find myself, as I mention this and say this, pricked. Because he's speaking to me. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to us all here. And the question is, is your life in order? Are you following so closely that we know whose rabbi you belong to? As the bus was coming down the hill, no brakes, 50 children. What is this bus driver to do? He needs to save the children. How can he save the children? And as he winds down, he kind of realizes, I know where I'm at. And he prays. And he realizes, I, there's, a, there's, a, there's a hill coming up. And I can, I can go up that hill and slow the bus down and save the children. Instantly a prayer has been answered. As he comes round and down and he sees the gate that he has to go through. Crash through the gate, go up the hill, slow the bus down. He sees something at the gate and there's a child there. But he has 50 children on the bus that their lives are in peril. What should he do? So he bursts through the gate, instantly killing the child and saving the 50 children. At this time, the news and the police and the medical and everyone is there. And they're talking about him as a hero. And they can't find him. Someone says, where is he? Doesn't he know he's a hero? Then he, doesn't he know he saved these children? They go around the side of the bus and he's at the back of the bus weeping. Someone says, what is wrong with him? Look at, I mean, they're hailing him as a hero. He's saved all these children. What is wrong with him? Isn't he appreciative? Isn't he thankful to God? And someone says, no, you don't understand. The gate that he crashed through is his gate. And the child was his son. Are we willing to give up everything that is dear to us to save the lives of those who need Jesus? God gave up his only 
begotten son for you and I. And that awakened hope for humanity. If we are to follow after Christ, Christ came so we might see the hope of glory. And he awakened hope in us again. If we are following after our rabbi, if we are Talmudin and we've answered the call, Lichi Akari, will you surrender all things of self to save the souls of others? Will you go and follow and let the dust of the rabbi be upon you? Jesus tells us, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Come to the advantage of The call is very simple. Are you covered in dust today? Have your life, your possessions, your conduct, your character been covered in the dust of Jesus? Are you following after your rabbi? And if you are, praise God. If you are not and you would like to make a commitment to follow after Jesus, as the girls begin to sing, I would like you to close your eyes. This is not about looking at your neighbor and seeing what's going on. This is about a call from Christ to you.